Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Holy heartbeat! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Happy Friday to you, wherever you are on the planet. It's good to be here with you on the podcast. And before we get to today's guest, comedian Brad Williams, he's easily one of the top five, top ten comedians in the country. But we have another episode that's streaming right now with Alonzo Bowden at Funny on Instagram. He has a big show tonight. Be sure to check it out. It's streaming at the Nowhere Comedy Club, your late night show tonight. He's got a couple big guests on his show that he's interviewing, some sketches and some stand-up, just a whole bunch of different things. And uh, we've got some more major episodes coming down the pike as well. So without further ado, let's bring on the show Brad Williams. Comedian Brad Williams, welcome to the podcast, sir. It's great to have you here today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Um, And we kind of talked about this before the mics went hot, but uh, nowadays with COVID and everyone being at home, um, if someone turns you down to do uh, to do your podcast, um, it's not because they don't have time. They have time. We're 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 home. We're we're fine. We have time to do things like this. It's more of just like, ah, eh, I don't like that one. <laughs> that's that that that's sort of the main thing why why people wouldn't do a podcast now uh, because now we because now we have time. But. Um, uh, I'm glad you reached out to me. I'm, I, I had, I had some time like we all do. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy talking to a human being as much as I love my wife. That is not my wife. Cause right now that's probably the only person I'm really talking to right now. And <laughs> yeah. As much, yeah. And as much as I love my wife, uh, you kind of want to switch it up and, uh, you've got some nice tits yourself. So all good. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny that you say that. Cause I, obviously I follow you on social media and you, had made a joke. Your wife was on her phone doing something and you said something to the fact of my wife trying to figure out and my daughter don't tell the how to tell dad to shut up or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, cause it used to be, I would get out all my rantings and ravings and things like that on, on stage. But now uh, with me not performing as much, uh, if at all, sometimes, uh, my wife has to be subject, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you view it, uh, to my ranting. So when I see a commercial and I want to like essentially try out a bit, I don't say like, hey, is this funny? I just start ranting about it or I start uh, talking about what's going on in sports, news, whatever, life. And, uh, and, and she, she wants to get me back on the road just so I can have a different audience to talk to. Like, <laughs> she's, tired of, she's tired of my stuff. And uh, – yeah, and, and then it's funny because, like, you know, my wife would do that thing where she's like, oh, do you have to just, do you have to keep joking? And it's like, yes, yes, I do. Look, look around at this house that we are in. Uh, yes, I do have to keep joking. Jokes built this house. So, uh, <laughs> yes, you better hope I keep joking. Um, but That's yeah, funny. So, so I'm happy and thrilled to be, to be, uh, uh, to be talking to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And I think it's common for most comics or performers. Obviously, everybody's at home. We're all on the same playing field at this point. Yeah. And I, I always ask, I'm, and you sort of answered it already, but 
the the wife kind of gets over the jokes, right? Like, because I think, are you one of those comedians and those artists who is just on all the time then, pretty much? Yeah, I am. Like, who I am on stage is me with the volume turned way up and, you know, doing exaggerated things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm always ranting. I'm trying to come up with bits. I'm trying to create. I'm trying to, you know, uh, I'm trying to be entertaining. Um, because there's always that fear that you wake up as a comic one day and you, and you go like, Oh crap, I'm not funny anymore. Like I, I, I can't write, I can't write a new joke. I can't do anything. I can't, I can't create. So, uh, yeah, there, there's always that fear. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to do that to keep the muscle working, especially in these times when I'm not on stage working out that muscle. Uh, I have to find some way to do it, whether it be, talking to my wife, whether it be doing Zoom shows, whether it be doing podcasts or driving shows or whatever. I'm just trying to just try just trying to keep the muscle working. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, when COVID hit, I think it was one of the most disturbing things for folks like yourself who are in the entertainment industry who perform whose livelihood, and we joked about it, but is based on performing and touring and all of that sort of thing that moment of like, oh crap, you know, what's going to happen next? Did you have that moment yourself or were you just kind of like, this will be okay. I'll find a way to pivot and make it work. Uh, I definitely had an oh crap moment. Um, when everything, when I had to cancel essentially a year's worth of work. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had a moment where I sat down with my wife and told her like, Hey, um, <laughs> uh, not, we're fine, but if you could like find a job or if anything you know pops up, I mean that <laughs> if, if you could if you could be making money in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't know, maybe we could start an OnlyFans or something like that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that should do. It. But and and we and we did that for a few weeks, two three weeks, where we were kind of in panic mode, where we just stayed in and didn't know what to do. And then, and then, you know, necessity is a mother of invention. You kind of pivot. Um, I joined cameo. So now if you want to pay me to give you a shout out on your birthday or, uh, tell your daddy was an asshole, I could do that. Um, I've done that a few times. Actually, the dad, you're an asshole one. That's fine. Um, also, you know, uh, doing, doing the virtual shows, doing, uh, zoom comedy shows. I've done those doing some driving even going out to the states that aren't quite all the way shut down and doing live shows in front of live people, I've done that as well. So, uh, yeah, you, we just kind of stopped and looked at our situation and said we have to keep going in some way, shape, or form. How are we going to do that? And then we figure it out. And uh, you know, it, 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 it we're we're doing okay in terms of the grand scheme of things. We're we're doing okay. Yeah, especially having children too. That adds to the pressure. If you were yeah. a single comic and you just really didn't have any responsibility, you know, not to call anybody out, folks like Nikki Glazer, who she jokes about it, but moved back in with her parents, you know, and just kind of are doing everything you can to survive. So you've been touring a little bit. I saw you were kind of out and about when things sort of loosened up again. Now we're kind of back on semi-lockdown here in the Bay Area. Yeah. On Friday, we're getting ready to shut down all the way around again. How has your experience been with the Zoom shows and the drive-in shows? I think the drive-in, Bert Kreischer was doing that, and he was like, yeah, I'm selling out. 
I had 700 cars and it's like, that's interesting to think about, you know, <laughs> um, I've never met him or talked to him, but he's the funniest yeah. guy on the planet. It's just kind of like, what has your experience been, Brad, doing the alternative in that regard? You know, it, it, it's not the same. Uh, the, 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 the phrase, I, I don't know if I came up with this phrase or not. I don't want to say that I did in case someone else, someone heard somebody else. But uh, if stand-up comedy is heroin, all these other shows are the methadone. It's the yeah, thing that's that. kind of, it's just kind of getting you by. Um, so the Zoom shows, uh, yeah, they're weird. You know, someone always has their microphone on who's got kids or a dog barking or they've got uh, their family watching the Zoom and they turn to each other and go like, that's so true, You're, you are a slut. And then <laughs> uh, that, you know, then, then that comes on through the microphone and the whole show hears them. So yes, that happens. Um, I did a Zoom show once where um, a joke hit, there was a laughter, and then in that low, that second, that second between where the laughter stops and I start talking again, um, someone rang in right through the Zoom, it was clear as a bell, and she said, well, my camera went out, I can't see him, and if I can't see him, he's not funny. And <laughs> so I was like, all right. <laughs> Uh, this is this is the new world order of comedy. So um, yes, doing that or doing doing the drive-in shows. I like the drive-in shows. I've done a couple drive-in shows where uh, the front two rows are like pickup trucks where people are sitting in the in in the in the truck bed. So I can see them. I can hear some laughter. Like I don't need a stadium full or a club full of people to hear laughter. I just need some basic laughs to let me know. Okay, that was funny. That was funny pause here, wait, dude, like, I just need some timing laughs to help, to help me out. Uh, pe pe people ask me like, oh, do people heckle you by like honking their horn? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you just kind of go with it and you can't hear it most of the time. And if you do, you just kind of make a joke about it and you move on. Um, one of the things about drum shows that I actually really like is that let's say, because my my least favorite heckle is a heckle of someone who's not actually heckling me. They're just okay. talking too loudly. Sure. That's my least favorite heckle. Because if someone yells out, fuck you, you're not funny, okay, now I can come back at you and we can, you know, we can do a thing of which I'm better prepared than the average audience member and can probably win that interaction. Um, but when someone's just talking loudly, I feel like such a dick being like, hey, shut up like we can hear you and the audience most of them can't hear the people so they don't know how loud they're being so they think like oh he just told the random table just to shut the fuck up and what an asshole he is so like that's my least favorite type of heckler and the drive-in show eliminates that heckler because if someone's in their car and i say a joke and they go that is true like cool i don't hear that you know or if it's like the bachelorette party that's coming in a car and they're all talking with each other instead of watching the show. Okay, fine. You're not disturbing other cars. I don't hear you. I don't care. So um, in that way, the uh, drive-in shows were, are, are actually pretty cool. They, 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 they cut down on some of the things, you know, uh, you don't have a waitress coming by a car and, or, and ordering way too loudly or whatever. And, and that, and that throws you off. Cause I've been a, club sometimes a waitress would come by who would stand on one side of the table and, and like shout to the other side of the table and what do you want you 
you want the you want the chuckle juice? Great. Two, and it's like ugh, like it just kind of throws you off a little bit. Um, so the driving shows pretty much eliminate that. So those so those are fun as well. Yeah, I think it's been very cool to watch your industry pivot a little bit. Even the clubs who are putting these funds together to help care for the backbones of the clubs, you know, the waiters, the waitresses, the staff, the door people, you know, everybody who helps run that thing, you know, there's several clubs here in the Bay. And the fact that I think, you know, somebody mentioned this the other day when I was talking to them that, you know, they're the ones that kind of help keep things moving a little bit. So to be able to pivot and still be able to perform and create content for people, I think is huge because and even that's why I think the numbers are so high is because people just want to be entertained. I did yeah. a couple of Zoom shows. It was interesting, um, but it was fun, you know, to get that experience of, you know, comedy and laughter, even if it was like 200 people in a Zoom room, right? And making people laugh. So you yeah. talk about crowd work a lot. I'm curious, how do you ride the line between, you know, handling somebody like that as a heckler and kind of it would be hard i think to go the opposite direction and just not be like anthony jeselnik is mean but that's just him that's his persona right (laughs) right that's just who he is but for you or anybody else you know how do you kind of decide how how i'm gonna fight this verbal judo you know what and and this is something that took me years to figure out um and what i realized and it, it and you're right it does depend on the comic like anthony jeselnik can be mean to somebody because on stage he's mean. Um, Bill Burr can can look at a table and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Shut the fuck up, you fucking pricks. And like, then that kind of fits with his style of comedy. But my comedy, um, as my manager likes to describe it, is huggable and lovable, my own. Uh, that's a perfect <laughs> impression of my manager, uh, if anyone knows who Barry Katz is. But, oh, yeah. Um, Worked with him before. So, <laughs> so I can't like be this like kind of huggable and lovable fun comic and then turn to a table out of nowhere and be like, shut the fuck up. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't match. So for me personally, I have to come at, I have to come at the table with slightly less aggression than they're showing me slightly less. And then if they show more, okay, now I can ratchet it up because now the whole room's on my side. But I, so if a table is just talking loudly, I can't yell at them, shut the fuck up. I, I got to look and be like, hey, um, I know you guys are talking and, and having a good time. I like that you're having a good time. But just know that when you're talking, it kind of throws me off. This is a live performance. It's not like the movie theater, you know, like I can hear you. Uh, like I got to do something like that. Um, and, and then it depends on how they respond. Uh, and that goes with the mean hecklers as well. If, if someone just yells out, hey, fuck you. Okay, cool. Now I can come over the top of you because the crowd's already on, on, on my side. But uh, yeah, so it's riding that line of how much do you respond. But there's also tricks uh, that I've learned over the years. And uh, one of them, and I, I, I wish someone had told me this uh, when I started doing comedy, is when you have a table that's just kind of talking too loud, one trick that you can do, and it goes against the opposite of what you think you should do, because you want to be louder. You're like, I need to be louder than them. No, do the opposite. Get quieter. Get quieter, get slower, get softer. Because oftentimes that table will then realize everyone's quiet around them, 
except for them, they can hear themselves and that makes people very uncomfortable. So they'll kind of self police in that way. So that's one trick I do um, when you, ha when you have live audiences and that, and that's just things, that's just things you pick up. Like I'm 17 years in now I'm 17 years into comedy. So that's just, oh God, it feels so weird saying that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm 17 years in. So these are tricks you learn, you learn along the way. Yeah. It's interesting. And I can imagine too, have you ever had a moment where you felt like you were losing the crowd and they were turning on you? And if so, how do you, oh, yeah. how do you come out of that? That's like almost borderline scientific, I think, uh, and psychological to turn a crowd from laughing at you to you single somebody out where you think that you're, you're shitting on them and you're not necessarily doing that, but they turn on you. Like that's gotta be nerve wracking. Like yeah. how do you back out of that? I mean, it depends on the situation. Cause I've had, like, I was in Baltimore. Uh, there's a club in Baltimore called the comedy factory. It's a great club. And I, I don't think they do this show anymore, but like they did a midnight show Saturday night and it was all you can drink for a oh certain my. price. So you pay like 30 bucks, have at it, you know, like go nuts. So people were just getting blitzed out of their skulls. At one point, a guy walked up on stage while I'm doing the show and started doing the Dougie. This is back when the Dougie was <laughs> a thing. Um, showing my age here and years in the business. But uh, so he starts doing the Dougie and I just like look at him like, all right, this is what we're doing. So I just started like dancing along with them and going back and forth. And then I started doing jokes and using kind of the Dougie as the, as the ba-bum, like that I would do. Cause he just stayed there. He, he wasn't moving when, 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 when I talked to him, he wasn't responding to me. Like nothing was happening between me and the guy. So I'm like, all right, I just gotta use this. And one thing you do when you lose the audience, if you know, if you lose the audience is anytime you, you, you can say like, well, that joke sucked. Well, you guys hate me. Well, that, you know, like you can be a little self-deprecating. That usually gets the audience on your side. Uh, they, they realize they're being dicks or they, they go, yeah, you're not being funny right now. Try something new. And then these are just, it, it's a trial and error. And one thing also that I've noticed is that no crowd, no crowd is unkillable. No crowd is like, well, no comic can do this. And that's one lesson that, uh, I think comics can learn pretty early because I, I remember doing a show in Los Angeles at a bar and it was like the sushi joint and no one cared about me. I was on stage. I was doing my best to give you an idea. This, uh, uh this restaurant has a river that runs through the middle of it. There's so many distractions. Oh my um, goodness. And I'm up there just doing my thing. I'm trying my best and they just don't like me. And I get off stage and I make the rookie mistake of looking at the other comics and being like, dude, this crowd's, this crowd's horrible. No one's going to have a good set tonight. Don't, you know, don't, don't think you're going to kill. And I told them that. And then sure enough, the next comic is Ian Bag. Ian Bag goes on stage and fucking destroys and proved me wrong. And, oh, the crowd's ungettable. Watch this, young kid. Boom. Just kills that night. And that made me realize, okay, like every crowd is gettable. There, there are certainly difficult crowds. There are crowds that are harder than others that will make you work. Um, but you, you, you can get every crowd. You just have to figure out that combination. You have, you have to crack that safe. And that to me is one of the most, 
um, entertaining parts about stand-up is if it's not going well, I know there's a way to make it go well. Let's figure that out. Yeah, Ian is the king of crowd work. I've seen him here oh. at the uh, comedy club in Sacramento, and it was yeah, I was very. It was on a Thursday night, I think, and there was probably like a hundred people in the club, so they kind of seated everybody close together. And yep. he comes on and goes, "What's up, everybody? Hello, club empty." And just like from that <laughs> moment on, just for an hour or so, just went. It was a lot of crowd work and a lot of jokes, but I had seen him on Last Comic Standing. I think that's where my exposure to him was when that was a thing. And uh, he yeah. nailed it. But I, I find that whole concept of crowd work and just being able to win people over and to go up on stage and just take a microphone and tell jokes and get people to laugh. It's If you're a musician, it's different, right? If you have a bad night, you can tell the guitarist or the drummer, hey, take a lick here or take a beat here. But you, it's like, there's nobody else that you can, unless you go up on stage, and I won't say this person's name because I was there that night in at the comedy club where he just had like, I think he was on drugs and just had a mental meltdown. And literally he got escorted out. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, you probably, yeah. don't, you know, who I might be know who I'm talking about. It was just like, it was really bad. It was a very bad experience. And fortunately he came back couple years later and you know redeemed himself and stuff but it's just really hard so i want to move into the topic of of writing and performing and doing new material most comics that i've talked to the clubs are kind of where you go and work out new material try things out and then you have a special like you did the degenerates about a year or so ago do you write things down and try them out or are you an off the top of your head kind of guy like what is your approach to joke telling and writing and performing new stuff most of the time, uh, most of the time I'm on stage. Most of the time I write on stage, which whenever I would hear comics say that, I would always say like, oh, you're just lazy and that's bullshit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but then, but then I actually started like, when I sit down and I write a joke, like I'm going to put pen to paper and write a joke. It just, for some weird reason, it doesn't translate for me. Like I can write something and I think it's really funny. And then I do it on stage. I'm like, that wasn't funny at all. Uh, it, but like when I just talk in the moment, I can figure stuff out and, sure. um, things just click. So, uh, that's how, that's how I write now with the pandemic. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little different. I, 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 I'm not going up on stage every night and trying things out. So it can literally be a, I try to bring it up in conversation, uh, uh, with my wife. It could be. I try, you know, like I'm texting comics, like, is this, like, I usually go with the premise, and if the premise is funny, then I can figure out the jokes that go along with the premise. The premise is the hardest part, to, to be honest, for me. Uh, uh, Punchlines will come, but if you have a good premise, that, that's all you really need. And once again, going back to my experience, I forget what comic told me this, and I wish I could give them credit, but... Your first 10 years in comedy, what you're doing during 10 years, you are building your joke machine. So my first 10 years, I'm building the Brad Williams joke machine. Now, after 10 years, I can drop whatever I want, whatever topic, into the Brad Williams joke machine, and a Brad Williams joke comes out. I know my voice. I know my sense of humor. I know my point of view. So it's, it's sort of gotten to that point where I'm pretty sure that I can make topics funny that I want to make funny 
Um, I just need an audience to try it out. And, and so that's what you do when, when you can on these Zoom shows. And it's amazing that even in a Zoom show that you hear kind of sporadic laughter, you can tell when a joke works and a joke doesn't. You, 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 you can tell whether you hear the four people laughing or you don't. Um, mm-hmm. You just kind of you, you, you just kind of do it. And when I do Zoom shows, I always have it on gallery view so I can see faces. So even if they're not um, laughing or they're, or, or they're muted, I can see their face and go, okay, they like that. Like that was a good, like when you see everyone kind of smile at once and do a little chuckle in their house, you go, okay, cool. Like they got that. And that, and that really helps. All we need is comics. It's just gauges. We just need to know like, okay, was that funny? Yes. Cool. Uh, and then what audiences don't realize is that, that when, a jo- when jokes are working, when you're killing it, when they're, when they're laughing and giving you energy, you're more likely to become creative in that moment. Like, when I'm bombing on stage, I'm not like, I'll try some stuff not being too experimental because I'm not very confident. I'm like, all right, stick to what works. Did do that, get them back. But when I'm killing, oh, then I have fun. Then I try stuff out, then I'll experiment. And that's when the vast majority of my jokes will be written is when I'm having a good set. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just trying new stuff out. So it's probably some new stuff. Maybe throw in some greatest hits from your bits that you've done before maybe some more new stuff and just kind of gauging the crowd and depending on how they respond. You mentioned something interesting. This is just how my brain works as an interviewer. You talked about premise writing and I heard other comics talk about this as well. There's the whole controversy of the premise, the joke, you know, did somebody else tell the joke? How do you, Mm. how do you Mm. navigate those waters, Brad, and decide, you know, this is something that's never been done before, or this might be too close to what somebody else might do because it's a very set of muddy waters, I think, because really there's only like a certain amount like dating or COVID. I don't know. You know, those are premises, but then sort of dicing it down further and helping you sort of navigate the the muddy waters of joke writing. Yeah. And, and that's why, um, that's why I, 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 I try to keep my jokes as personal as I can. Sure. I try to tell my story, my experience. Um, that's what I try to do with the jokes. Because I know that that's the best way to assure that no one's done it before. Or no, one, like, no one's lived my exact life. So that I, that I keep the perspective mine. Okay, good. And, you know... Some comics say they don't like to consume other comedy. Um, I like to consume other comedy. I love watching comedians. A, I enjoy comedy, but B, for the reason you just talked about, I want to know what's out there. And if I'm doing something, um, I'll give you an example. So uh, about, man, maybe like 12, 13 years ago, there was a protest in Los Angeles that was called A Day Without a Mexican. And uh, that was where, that was where, yeah, I know, right? All the Trump supporters are like, it's my wet dream. Um, but like, um, I don't know if I should have laughed so at that, but it was funny. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. See, laughter is an involuntary response. So yes, you should have laughed at that. Um, uh, but yes, so that was what was going on. It's where all the Mexicans didn't go to work for a day and it, it, it would show us how much that they are needed and how much they are a vital part of our community and our economy. And th- the day happened. And then I was like, Oh shit, this, 
like I I saw certain things and the main joke that I saw was uh hey if you guys want to take a day off and and and, and you know whenever you want great because there was no traffic in Los Angeles that day just none we were getting places and doing things and I had a joke about that and I'm going to the improv and I'm about to go on stage Joe Coy goes on before me and does the exact same joke that I had written, but I'd never performed it before. So did he steal it from me? Of course not. Of course he didn't steal it from me. He just, he, he thought of the same joke too, because we're, we're brains, like we're all analyzing the same news, so we're gonna have some, some, some similar perspectives. And he, he, he did the same joke, it killed. I, I knew, okay, I, don't, I can't do that joke tonight. I talked to him afterward, and I said, hey man, just, just so you know, I've, I've done it a few times, but I haven't done, you know, uh, but that I'm doing the exact same joke. And he goes, well, I'm doing it in a week on Kimmel. And, and I go, well, your joke then, your joke, that's yours. So that, so you always have to be aware of it. And that's why I consume comedy so I can know. But like I said, if you keep the joke as personal to you and your experience as you can, um, that's one way to assure that it's not going to, it, it, it's not going to be done by somebody else. Like here, here's a prime example. Last night I did a show um, where it was a zoom show and it was an album recording and it was all, all COVID jokes. It was 14 comics, everyone doing six minutes of, of COVID material, all, you know, and 14 comics, six minutes each. No one repeated a joke. I watched the whole wow. show. No one, no one repeated a joke. So it's kind of like that thing that I talked about earlier where you're creating your joke machine. Like if everyone has their own joke machines, it's all going to come out in their same perspective. Like, yes, a couple people talked about toilet paper. Okay. But they had their own take on it and their own experience with it. So it was never the same joke. So it was fine. And no one, no one saw someone do a joke about toilet paper then go oh stole it from the second comic they didn't know because it was completely different so just keep the joke as personal to your experience as you can and then no one's lived your life exactly maybe a similar life but not your life exactly so when you keep it to your experience then it then you can be sure that the joke is only going to be done by you well i love it and i appreciate your honesty and transparency just in our conversation because again going back to the beginning of our of our interview i just find it so intriguing and so interesting that's why i have so many comedians on and a lot of my peers will ask me well do you ever run out of things to talk about with them and i'm like no because everyone is so uniquely different in their style and their voice and it's like this world like television or even actors it's like you know outside of this medium we we may not have this kind of conversation other than if i saw you at a show and came up yeah and said, hey you know thanks for your art and your comedy you know and then most comics are are kind of introverts and they're like yeah thank you and then they just you know bolt out of the club and <laughs> or go back to the comedy comedy apartment or whatever and just like get ready for the yeah, next yeah. show <laughs> um it's just so interesting oh man you, yeah you haven't met me after a show then uh i'm I, I will i i will bother my fans because they'll come up to me after a show and be like oh man you're so funny that was great oh and i'll, I'll just be like hey i'm going next door to the bar you guys just want to go and oh dude have a beer you know talk? i do have a funny story about that gabriel iglesias was here and he was up in sonoma state did a big show 
and uh, we just happened to be out and about, and he showed up at an Applebee's of all places. It was so <laughs> I- ironic. He comes in there with his, you know, couple of his guys, and um, we bought him drinks, and you know, one of us, one of our people actually paid for a lift for him to get back to the hotel. And, you know, I I just think it's great when I talk to people because there's just a side of you and others that I think my listeners want to know. And that's why I think what makes me different and just kind of not asking the same types of questions and sort of just getting into the, the bits and pieces of what you do, because it's not like any other profession out there where you know you you have a nine to five you are putting yourself on the line and you're telling jokes and you've done well even in the COVID I've seen you do shows and um, performing at these clubs and really just keeping it going and (laughs) joking about you know honey can you get it if you find something maybe you can do DoorDash (laughs) or Postmates oh my god (laughs) Uh, no it's it's interesting because you know everyone I mean everyone had to pivot everyone had to figure out whatever their job was uh, and it's funny because we're we're discovering a lot during this time in terms of like there 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 are some people that we thought always had to go to an office no they no, don't. I work from home permanently now yeah. yeah they don't have to they don't have to go to an office um, nope. there are some there there are there are some people that thought that if you're an executive you have to fly across the country and do a face-to-face meeting and shake a man's hand and look that person in the eye. No, you don't do a zoom meeting. It's, it's all good. It's all fine. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're just realizing all this stuff about jobs. And, uh, and now like, I don't think zoom comedy shows are going to end once the pandemic ends. They're just going to be one more thing. Like, all right, I do my in-person shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on Tuesday, I'm doing a zoom show in Canada, <laughs> you know, or whatever, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just do that. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens um, once we're kind of, once we kind of get back to normal in this sort of hybrid world of pre COVID and, uh, and yeah. during COVID kind of, kind of has to meld together. I mean, how many relatives would you love just to do a zoom happy hour, have a drink with and say, all right, cool. See you in eight months. Like that, like, yeah. Like that, like rather than have them fly out to see you or you stay with them or do whatever, it's kind of cool that we can just be like, all right, we did the thing. We'll see yeah. you next time we need to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause you just, you realize, you know, like I said, I, I, when I, now my day job, you know, now I work from home. <clears throat> they sent me a computer, the whole setup. I call my customers. I sell wine. They have no idea that I'm working in my, house that you can see here like they don't know that i mean we joke about it but it's like this is a brave new world so one last question sir as we wrap up are you ready for the holidays got all your christmas shopping done are you you've got a little girl you've got a wife are you how do you guys do christmas uh well first of all because i'm a dwarf and my daughter is a dwarf there are no elves in our house (laughs) no elf on the shelf right Elf on the shelf. If you saw my, I think my second special, I talked about how my dad used to do that with me. He used to put me up and put me on a <laughs> shelf and be like, "Yeah, look, look what we did." Um, so yeah, no elves in the house. Uh, thankfully, I, I, I'm married to an amazing woman. Uh, I shop for her. She shops for everybody else, uh, and that's great. So she she got it done. 
Also, um, one thing that I started doing, and it was kind of on accident, uh, I, I, like, someone would send me something, so, someone would hit me up online, send me something, and I would throw it up on my Instagram and be like, hey, thank you for this bottle of whiskey, you know, and then all of a sudden people were like, oh, will you do that with my product? If, if, if I send you my product, I'll be like, yeah, no, no problem. And like, DeWalt Tools sent me like <laughs> more tools than I'll ever need so nice. I, I got enough gifts for all, all the people on my list just from tools, and I didn't have to spend a damn dime. It was pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> so that's funny. Um, so, so, so for the holidays, uh, we will go down to uh, my parents' house. Um, my dad is immune compromised, and my mom is like they're 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 all elderly. So we'll we'll, we'll stay away. They'll have their their pile of gifts. We'll be like 20 feet away with our pile of gifts and uh, we'll just kind of do it that way. And people are like, yeah, but that sucks. I'm like, yeah, it does suck, but that's what we got to do. I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to cause my mom or my dad harm because I had to have the typical Christmas. It's like, no, we're all adjusting. We're all figuring it out. Um, this is not the typical podcast that we're doing. This pod, this kind of podcast really didn't exist a, 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 a year ago. So it's like, it's weird to think about that. So yes, we're all adjusting. We're all doing what we can to stay safe, but still let our loved ones know that we care about them. And I encourage everyone out there uh, to do that for their holidays as well. Make your own decisions, but uh, try not to kill grandma. Yeah. And wear a mask. So if people want to connect with you, Brad, about your comedy and catch your show in Saskatchewan, Canada, uh, and yep. in the future, um, how can they do so, my friend? Yep, my website will have everything. Go to bradwilliamscomedy.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, at funnybrad. If you want to follow me on Instagram, at bradwilliamscomic. Um, and yeah, keep posting with my tour dates. They, they, they change very frequently as lockdowns happen, as they get loosened up, as they happen again, as restrictions change. Um, you know, like uh, I'm going to Raleigh, North Carolina in uh, January and because of a, uh, curfew, we're, we're now doing three shows on Saturday. So it's like our first show is like at two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> comedy in the daytime. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, just keep on my website, follow me on the social media and I hope to see some of your audience in a live show, either in person or in zoom or just throw, or just drop me a line on social media and say, and say that you heard me on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to get back, hopefully fingers crossed. And, um, I'm looking forward to, tw to, uh, 2021. Absolutely. My friend. Well, Brad, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, sir. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to have you. Uh, no problem, Brett. Pleasure's all mine. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers.